If you have a Bible, I want you to join me in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. Uh, and we're going to study a, a, a lady this morning who certainly believed that and knew that to be true, that Jesus is a healer. Uh, we're studying through the Gospel of Luke, and so we've come to the 8th chapter and the 40th verse. But just before we jump into Luke 8, verse 40, we just got to know, in general, what's being taught in this portion of Luke's Gospel is that Jesus has all authority. He's got authority in the natural world. He steps up and speaks and the winds subside. He's got authority in the supernatural world. He defeated that legion of demons in a moment with a word. Now he's going to show that he's got authority over disease and then authority over death itself. So there remains no standing enemy for the believer in the Lord Jesus. He overcomes them. He overcomes them all. The spotlight shifts to two individuals in this portion of scripture and they could not be any more unlike each other. One is a prominent man, well-respected, influential. He's the ruler of the synagogue. He's one of the most well-known, respected, and authoritative men in the area. The other is a forgotten, overlooked, and cast-aside woman. One's prominent, the other's forgotten. One's influential, the other's overlooked. One has friends in high places. The other has no friends to speak of. One is first class all the way, the other, at best, is going to fly standby, so to speak. And what they have in common is that a situation arises in each of their lives where they have nowhere else to turn. And the only circumstance that could bring them together in the same place at the same time in the same setting is that they both desperately need Jesus. And we're going to examine one of them, the forgotten lady, in a moment. But I just want to say on the front end is that Jesus has time for everybody. I mean, we live in a place, in a culture where we're so divided up, right? I mean, uh, there's the haves and the have-nots, and there's this group and there's that group, and there's these that jump to the head of the line, and these that are always stuck at the back. Jesus is not like that. Jesus doesn't give his attention to one group and shun another. Jesus has time for everybody. And here's one thing that everybody has in common, whether they realize it or not, is that we desperately need him. And so we see here in Luke chapter 8, verse 40, it says, now when Jesus returned, he's returning from the Gerasenes where he's uh, delivered the man possessed of demons. When Jesus returned, Luke 8, 40, the crowd welcomed him for they were all waiting for him. Now there came a man named Jairus, he's the influential man, who was a ruler of the synagogue and falling at Jesus' feet, he implored him to come to his house, for he had an only daughter, about 12 years of age, and she was dying. So here's this uh, influential synagogue ruler, but for all his influence, for all his uh, respect, he's presented a situation that he cannot uh, use or leverage any of that authority or respect to remedy. He's got a little girl, the... the, the um, connotation of the language is it's his only child it's his only daughter she's she's daddy's girl and she's been alive for 12 years and now she has a sickness and it's not just a, a, a head cold she's dying and so this ruler of the synagogue has fallen at jesus's feet he's been on that shore waiting for jesus to come he's got nowhere else to turn he he implored him to come to his house 
So, so Jesus is responding to him, and Jesus begins to go with Jairus to his house. And before they get there, they're interrupted. This, this other scene happens, and that's what our, actually our focus is going to be this morning. As Jesus went, the people pressed around him. There's a whole crowd of people. Ever been in a crowd? I don't really like crowds too much. Anytime I'm in a crowd, I try to find my way spinning around and get out of the crowd. But there's so many people, they're all pressing in around him as he's slowly making his way to Jairus' house. And, and in the crowd, now we go from the crowd to this one person, verse 43, there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent all her living on physicians, she could not be healed by anyone. She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. And Jesus said, who was it that touched me? When all denied it, Peter said, Master, the crowd surrounds you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, Someone touched me, for I perceive that power has gone out from me. And when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And Jesus said to her daughter, Your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Well, let's pray together, and then we'll study this portion of Scripture together. Father, help us to understand what all this has to do with us. What a ruler of the synagogue centuries ago, and a woman who had a significant physical issue, what that has to do with us in Rocky Mountain in 2014. Help us to see what Jesus does, who he is, to see both his power and his compassion. And when we conclude, help us to see that this has very much to do, <laughs> these things have very much to do with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Where we'll divide up our study in two portions, primarily. One, we'll talk about the woman's shameful problem, and then we'll talk about the Savior's saving power. So let's talk about this woman. We're not given a name, we're just given a few details. And let's talk about her shameful problem, and first, we'll see that her suffering is significant. Look there in verse 43. There was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And so these two people, they're totally different, right? Uh, Jairus has had a little girl, daddy's girl, for 12 years. And for 12 years, his life has been bliss. She's been healthy. They've had this great relationship. I mean, I've got three girls of my own. There's nothing quite like daddy and his daughter, right? She's been his little girl, the love of his life, the apple of his eye. And for 12 years, they've had smooth sailing. For those same period of time, those same 12 years, on the other side, there's been a woman who hasn't had many happy days. She's not had a nice family to go home to. She's got hardly anything left to her name. For 12 years, the Bible says she's had a discharge of blood. And we're not going to go into all the details of her issue. Suffice to say this, it's an uncomfortable thing to talk about. And that's what the reality was for her. I mean, it's uncomfortable for me to stand here in 2014 and talk about this lady having a discharge of blood. Can you imagine what it would have been like for her back then? It's, it's, a, it's a significant problem. It's never far from her thoughts. It kind of defines her whole life. Everywhere she goes, uh, uh, it's always before her. This problem has come to dominate her life. It's an uncomfortable problem. It's not polite. It's not fit, rather, for polite conversation. When somebody, everybody who comes up to her and asks her, how are you doing today? She can't talk about how she's really doing. It's a problem that she's got, but it's got to be hidden from everybody because it's not something that particularly in that culture you would ever 
talk about it. It was awkward to talk about, and there's not, it's not an issue that she can entrust to many people. In fact, from the text, we get the sense that it's a problem that nobody else really knows about. Only her. And it's always before her. Everywhere she goes, she's got to worry about it. And it's gone on for a long time. Twelve years is how long it's been going on. What was 12 years ago? 2002? It's a pretty good amount of time from now. So for 12 years, she's carried this heavy burden. She's suffering physically. I mean, blood loss leaves you weak, leaves you tired, leaves you without energy, leaves you uh, unable to to do uh, regular everyday tasks. She likely spends most of her days feeling run down without energy and exhausted. So parenthetically, let me just say briefly, if you do not know the blessing of good health, you will appreciate it once it is gone. If you were able this morning to get up out of bed, to get dressed, and to come here without any physical hindrances, you are greatly blessed. And I pray that you appreciate it. I spent a lot of time in hospitals. I spent a lot of time in physical rehabilitation centers. I spent a lot of time with people who are physically too weak to move around very much. It requires great energy for them just to walk down the hallway and hear this woman physically drained from 12 years of bleeding, exerting the last reserve of physical energy she has to come to Jesus. She's not only suffering physically, she's suffering emotionally. As significant as the physical toll is for her, perhaps even heavier is the emotional burden she buries. And where is she right here in the text? She's in a great crowd And at the same time, she's absolutely alone. Do you know what's possible? Do you know what's possible? To be completely surrounded by people and yet to be utterly alone. And we're in a crowd of people today. I mean, look around. I mean, I don't know how many people are here. It qualifies for a crowd, I think. But there's some people in the room this morning that even though they're sitting on a pew with six other people or eight other people, or you feel, you feel utterly alone. You ever felt that way before? Surrounded by people, but no one really knows the burden that you carry. No one really knows what's actually going on in your life. Well, there is one who always knows. We'll get to that in just a a minute. And she's suffering, not only physically, she's not only suffering emotionally, she's also suffering silently. All the while, it's not something easy to talk about for her. Does anybody care? Does anybody see? And can anybody do anything about it? Her suffering is significant. Physically, emotionally, and also suffering in silence. So before we go on, let me just say for, to, to make the point, there's some people like that today, right now, in here. Suffering emotionally, physically, silently. That's not the end of the sermon. So <laughs> the answer to the question, does anybody care and can anybody do anything? Does anybody see the answer is an overwhelming yes, as this text uh, teaches. So uh, secondly, her options are exhausted. Did you notice? She's tried everything she knows how to try. Look what it says. Verse 43, there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. And though she had spent, what's your Bible say? All her living on physicians. She could not be healed by anyone. No doubt when the uh, problem began, 
she likely concluded that we'll, we'll get this fixed. We'll go see such and such. We'll go see the doctor. And she paid the bill. He tried some things, and it didn't work. She said, well, I'll go get a second opinion. Went to the second, second option. And then most likely over the course of 12 years, when you track down what she's been through, she's probably ended up with some uh, quacks, for, a lock, for lack of a better term, who took her last bit of money and gave her no solutions. They tried their treatments, and when they didn't work, she began to work her way down the ladder until she's gotten to the point, look what it says, she had spent all her living on physicians. She's got no dime left. She takes her ATM card, punches in her code, and it says insufficient funds. She's got nothing left. Have you ever tried something and it didn't work out? You put so much hope and confidence and stock in it and even prayer into it, and then it didn't work, and it just made you more desperate. Uh, Mark gives us a small detail that Luke doesn't record. Mark gets the same uh, scene. So if you go to Mark chapter 5 and look in verse number 25, Mark chapter 5. So if you're in Luke, you just go back one book. That's Mark. Mark chapter 5. Mark describing the same scene, the same day, the same scenario, the whole thing. Mark 5, 25, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Okay, so Luke told us that. But look at verse 26. And who had suffered much under many physicians and spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. I mean, if you just go back a couple hundred years, what they used to do with issues of bleeding, you know what they would do? make you bleed more. In fact, it seems that's how our first president, George Washington, likely died. This kept leeching him until there was no, no health left in his body. Now, that's 200 years ago. Can you imagine? It's a hard thought, isn't it? Can you go back 2,000 years? And here's the way the Bible puts it. She had suffered much. And she didn't get better. These, pl- these places that she put hope in and stock in, and these doctors that she paid them, her, she paid them money until she didn't have any money left and they didn't do any help they actually harmed her she had spent all that she has she had, she has nowhere else to turn she's tried everything she knows to try and it's left her penniless powerless friendless and almost almost hopeless and there's another issue that we need to touch on so that we understand the full context is that her sickness left her ceremonially unclean that means that she's not able to attend worship she's not able to go to the temple she's not able to go to the synagogue she's got a issue that leaves her unclean and and if she touches anybody they become unclean now are you starting to see why when she reaches out to jesus what does it say the fringe of his garment do you know why because her sickness has left her. I'm unclean, and if I touch anybody, they'll become unclean. And so she's going around with this thought in her mind. Here's a man I can reach out to. I can't actually touch him. I'm just going to touch the, I'm just going to touch the fringe of his garment. She's fearful that she's going to make Jesus unclean. Can I give you some good news? You can't make Jesus unclean. And sometimes you feel that way. Well, if I really take my burden to Jesus, <laughs> that's what he's come for. He's the burden bearer. If you're going to be clean, you need to come to Jesus. 
And then, if we read along, she's, she's pressing in with the crowd. She's trying to get to Jesus. And then all of a sudden, she sees this influential synagogue ruler man, Jairus. And I can, as I read it, I almost see, she's, she's worked herself up. I've got one more shot. I've been to everybody. I've spent everything. Maybe if I just get to him. And then she sees the ruler of the synagogue bow down before Jesus' feet. And she must conclude in her mind, oh, he's probably got time for him. But he might not have time for me. So I'll just reach out hinge of the garment and hey here's some good news he's got time for you he's not just got time for everybody around you he's got time for you when he came to offer himself a ransom for many he wasn't just offering himself for everybody else he's offering himself for you and some people who've suffered much and been outcast they begin to get this thought in their mind that god doesn't have time for them god doesn't have attention for them and god doesn't have healing and power for them but he does so she sees prominent, influential Jairus. Maybe her hope slips a little bit, but she still hangs on. And it says, she came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And um, here, uh, I, I know I've had you flip back, but I want you to go back to Mark again because Mark gives us something else. It says, um, Mark chapter 5, verse 27. Right after it spent all that she had and was no better, but actually worse. Verse 27, she heard the reports about Jesus. And came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, she's thinking to herself, if I touch his garments, I will be made well. And so can you picture it in your body? you got this whole crowd and Jesus is going. He's going off to Jairus' house. And there's this faceless, nameless, forgotten woman. And she's just kind of nudging her way into the crowd. And she says, if I can just, I don't want a lot of his time. I, I, I don't want him to come to my house. I'm just going to reach out and touch the, hen, the fringe of his garment. If I do that, she said, I'll be made well. And she did it. And look what happens. She came up behind him, this is back in Luke, and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately the discharge of blood ceased. So first of all, we've seen the shameful problem of the woman. Secondly, I want you to see the saving power of Jesus. Look what it says. (laughs) She came up behind him and touched the fringe of his garment. And immediately her discharge of blood ceased. Her bleeding stops, and it does so in two ways. One, did you see the word? Immediately. For 12 years, this has been going on. For 12 years, night after night, week after week, year after year, and then she touches Jesus in faith. She had suffered much, and immediately the blood ceased. She had spent everything she had, and immediately the blood ceased. She had not grown better, but had grown worse, and immediately, immediately. My friends... Those who suffer in silence, even. The good physician does not say, take two tablets and call me in the morning. His prescription does not yield results in the days ahead. It results in healing. How? Immediately. Do you believe it? We're going to talk about in a moment how this, what this has to do with you. Because it has much to do with you. And not only does it heal immediately, it heals completely. It doesn't go away in phases. It doesn't lessen over the days. The Bible says, the Bible says, and immediately her discharge of blood ceased. Same word Luke used when he said uh, the winds and the waves ceased. Jesus, when he speaks, first of all, in the natural world, the, the winds and waves obey him. And then in the same natural world, when he speaks, the discharge of blood, it just ceases. It just stops. Jesus' healing comes immediately, and it comes 
completely. She's not going to have to spend one more solitary dime on physicians. Can you imagine how she felt in that moment? She felt like she hadn't felt for 12 years. And here's a word to use. She felt clean. She felt clean. Well, we're going to get to it in a moment. But do you feel clean? I know you scrub all the outside, right, and the dirt and so on and so forth. But on the inside, do you feel clean? You can be clean, did you know? We'll talk about it in just a minute. His power goes out to her. Jesus said, who is it that touched me? And you got to love Peter. Peter, you know, Peter's just one of those talkative people. Some people think before they speak, Peter just speaks and he'll do the thinking later. Jesus said, who is it that touched me? So you kind of get this feeling that the crowd's kind of moving on and everybody's going, and then all of a sudden Jesus stops. She'd reached out fringe of his garment and then Jesus stopped and then it's like the crowd, you know, that effect. Everybody bounces into each other from the back. And they're like, why did he stop? He says, who touched me? And Peter looks around and there's, you know, dozens of people around and Peter just says, um, master, the crowd surrounds you and are pressing in on you. But Jesus said, someone, someone touched me for I perceive that power has gone out from me. Why does the power go out to her? One, she came humbly. She came in humility. She she, she came behind him. And she came believing. You see what it said? She said, if I can reach out, I will be made well. If I can just get to him. Now her plan, her plan is to quietly and anonymously disappear back into the crowds, right? She was going to just touch the friend of her car. And then then it says... uh, when she saw that she was not hidden, her, her plan was just to touch him and then just kind of go back into the nameless, faceless masses and nobody needs to know her name or know where she is or what's her come from. But when she's healed, Jesus stops everything. Jesus always stops everything for people who come in humble faith. He always stops everything. You know, uh, this right here, little watch. Got one? on your wrist. Most people, some people don't wear them on the wrist anymore because you got it on your phone, right? And you're always watching, here's a guy to do this and got to do this and got to do this and got to do this. Jesus doesn't wear a watch. He doesn't wear a watch. He always stops everything. Now remember the, the context. Jairus is desperate. We got to get to our house. We got to get there. My, my daughter's sick. She's 12 years old. She's sick unto death. We got to get there. We got to get there. We got to get there. Everybody's in a rush. We got to get to Jairus' house. Got to get, and then this woman touches Jesus and he stops everything. Now, uh, Jairus' friends are going to conclude she held everything up and your daughter's dead and just leave the master alone. That's what they're going to say. He didn't get there in time. Their conclusion was if he'd got there before she died, he could have helped her. Hey, good news. Even when she's dead, he can help her. But for this woman who's so overlooked by everybody else on the face of the planet, Jesus doesn't overlook it. He stops everything and then she gets nervous. Ever have that heart start beating, 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 beating? All of a sudden the spotlight's on you. Several years ago, we were at an amusement park. We were in one of these uh, 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 shows, and they were going to call up volunteers on the show. And they said, who wants to come up on the stage? And, and uh, you know, my daughter shot up her hand. Oh, I want to come. And then, and then they're looking, and then the spotlight landed right on her. And she almost died. <laughs> literally, oh, literally, she crawled under the chair and gripped herself to my legs. That's how this woman's feeling. Jesus has stopped everything and put this. Somebody touched me. And you got to think, oh, is he talking about me? He's talking about me. I'm going to get out of here. He stops immediately. And then his response to her is threefold. 
One, we've already mentioned, he stops everything. Number two, number two, he speaks to her tenderly. I want you to see something about Jesus here, and that's the, that's the two things going on in his character, his absolute power and authority, and at the same time, his deep compassion. Some people are one or the other. Some churches are one or the other. All about authority, but no compassion. Other churches are all about compassion and empathizing, but they, but they don't recognize the authority of the Word of God. You know what I mean? Jesus is both. He's got absolute authority, and then, you know it's probably been a long time, maybe 12 years, for example, since anyone's really had a conversation with her, really treated her with dignity, treated her with respect, and it's her creator that does so. Look, look what happens. He says, uh, then the woman saw that she was not hidden. She came trembling. She's scared to death, shaking like a leaf on a tree, and falling down before him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. And you know what that's called? That's called a witness. You see, I want to be a witness for the Lord Jesus. What does it mean to be a witness of the Lord Jesus? Number one, it doesn't mean that you're not scared. She's scared to death, right? I mean, people, when they say, well, I got to get up in front of talk, talk to people, I, I'm going to do that when I'm not nervous. There's hardly a Sunday when I'm not a little bit nervous. The only reason that I don't get totally nervous is that what I'm going to come up here and talk to you about is the written word of God. His authority is right here. It's not my job to come up with something. I'm just going to preach what the word says. You say, I've talked to people about Jesus, but I, get, I just get nervous. She's trembling. So, one, that excuse goes out the window. He doesn't say, go and witness for me when you're not fearful. She's trembling. Secondly, second mark of a witness is, it's in the presence of all the people. You know what that means? Other people got to hear it. You know, I think most of us, most of us, we'd be perfectly fine if we could just love Jesus and not have to talk to anybody about it. <laughs> I just don't want to have to talk to people. I mean, can I just live my quiet little life here and just stay here? And I'm not going to bother anybody as long as nobody bothers me. But she'd been healed, my friends. And do you know why she knew to go to Jesus? Did you catch it from Mark? She had heard the, rep the reports about him so wouldn't it be wouldn't it be uh incorrect to have heard about jesus from others to be healed by jesus having heard those reports and then not offer the same report to others do you follow what i'm saying how is how is your neighbor going to hear that healings in jesus how are your co-workers going to hear that healings in jesus you know what uh, people who, who need healing in Jesus need to hear from people who've been healed by Jesus. It's in the presence of all the people. And here's how you give a testimony. Why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. You give a testimony, it's two points. Why I reached out to Christ and number two, when I did what he did. When I did what he did, right? That's the testimony. And he said to her daughter, that's a... That's a um, it's a word of compassion. It's a family term. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. You say, all right, let's pray and go. It's not quite time to pray and go because this is a story about you and it's a story about me. You might say, no, 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 I'm physically fine this morning. I'm one of those people you talked about. Got out of bed, got dressed, got here without any problems. Yes, 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 yes. But this isn't ultimately a story about physical healing. Everything Jesus does in the physical world, he does in the Gospels to teach us about spiritual truth. 
When he heals blind eyes, it's, it's, yes, he's physically healing them so they can see, but it's a deeper spiritual truth that I was blind and now I see. I couldn't see God. I didn't know God. I didn't know anything about him. And then he helped me to see, and now I see him, and he is my greatest treasure. So what is this about? This woman with physical uh, 12 years of, of bleeding. She's desperately sick. It's a debilitating sickness. It's a draining sickness. It leaves you weak. It leaves you without initiative. It's a sickness, yes, and it's a sickness called, well, you already know, don't you? It's a sickness called sin. That's what this whole story is about. It defines her life. It defines your life. You've got some things in your life that nobody else knows about. And the truth of the matter is, it's not fit for polite conversation. You struggle with some sinful areas that, man, if people knew, you'd crawl under the chair. You've got strongholds in your life. And they've gone on for not 12 weeks, not 12 months. They've been going on a long time. It's a sickness called sin, and all of us are infected. We've all got things that we're ashamed of. And if you're like this woman, you've tried a lot of options. You've read a lot of books. You've gone to a lot of seminars. You've gone to this person and that person and talked about it. And perhaps you've tried to get rid of it in your life. And the harder you try, it didn't get better. It's actually gotten worse. Anger, jealousy, bitterness, pride, lust, greed. No matter how hard you've tried, how much money you've spent, how many books you've read, seminars you've taken, classes you've attended, it's still draining you of joy and life and peace. And just in her case, if something's not done about it, it would have led to death in her case. And the Bible says it'll lead to death in your case. The soul that sinneth, it shall surely die. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But then something happened in her life. She heard a report about Jesus. She said, do you mind if I give you a report about Jesus? Let me give you a report about him. That soul sickness that we all have called sin, he can do something about it. Now, the world's solution for this woman would be just get a bigger Band-Aid. Just do all you can to stop the bleeding. But the bleeding kept coming. The solution for you with your anger is not to get a bigger Band-Aid. It's to get a new heart. The, 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 the issue for you, for your lust in your life, if you're caught up in lust, it's not to just stop doing it. You need a, you need, you need a new, new nature. That's what the Lord Jesus promises. You don't need to stop the bleeding. You need for the bleeding to stop. And do you understand the difference? Do we understand the difference between the two? You don't need to stop the bleeding. You need the bleeding to stop. And there is no physician in the world who can do that save one. And that's the Lord Jesus. She heard a report about him. Let me tell you about Jesus. The sin issue that you have, he can heal it. And he can do it immediately, and he can do it completely. Now, we cannot remove sin from ourselves. There's no work we can do, no medicine we can take, no penance we can perform. Sin is so seriously deadly that it required the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to take my sin on himself and to be crucified at the cross of Calvary. He suffered and died for my sin. But let me come trembling before you and declare in the presence of all these witnesses that there was a time in my life that I reached out to him in humble faith. And he cleansed me from my unrighteousness. The bleeding, it stopped. Now, I am far. You could all say amen to this. I am far from sinless. But the one who saved me, 
is sinless. And the one who saved me is still saving me. He's still doing a work in me. And if you come to him in humility and faith, he stops everything. He has power. He has tenderness. Do you believe it? The Bible says, Jesus said, someone touched me. whole crowd of people. And his attention is drawn to one. Someone touched me. I perceive power has gone out from me. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for we believe it is the power of God unto salvation. So here's the invitation. You don't have to spend everything you have on all those other physicians. You don't have to uh, turn over this rock and look over here and read that and do this. And so the good physician, the great physician, he says, if you'll come to me, and he, here's what he had said to that lady. You don't have to go fringe of the garment. You can go full-on bear hug if you want to. It's okay. You don't have to worry about making me unclean. I'm going to become unclean for you. The Bible says, he who knew no sin became sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And Jesus came to do great physical healings, yes, but it's to teach us of deeper spiritual truth. Because here's the reality. That lady with the bleeding 12 years ago, she's not on the earth today. Some point, some way, sometime, she died of something. Probably wasn't the bleeding issue, but she died of something. And if all Jesus did for her was just help her with that issue, but then didn't save her soul, that's, that's, no, that's no savior at all. But the good news is, the good news is, the bleeding can cease immediately, and it can cease eternally. This disease we have called sin, there is a solution for it. And it's not just a solution, it's a person, the Lord Jesus I want you to stand with me, and we're going to pray together. And then we're going to have a public invitation. One of the reasons we do public invitations is because a text we read in the Scripture like this, that when God does a healing work, He does it in front of people. When He gives an invitation, it's for her. He says, when the woman saw that she was not hidden, she came trembling and falling down before Him, declared in the presence of all the people why she had touched Him. So we're going to sing together. We're going to pray together. You may want to come and respond in a physical way to, to a... To, to back up the spiritual response that you're given. You might want to kneel here before the altar. Bow your heads with me. I'm going to speak directly because this text speaks directly about something in particular. There was a physical issue in this woman's life that she was ashamed to tell anybody about. She suffered with it in silence. And that is a picture of sin issues, deep-rooted sin issues that we have. And they can be significant. Greed, lust, anger, they go down way down deep. And they do sap you of life. They sap you of energy. They sap you of any spiritual initiative at all. And some of us have things that, honestly, we don't want anybody to know about. But I want to stand here and say clearly to you, that you don't have to get a bigger band-aid, a bigger something. You can be healed of this. The Lord Jesus has power to save, to deliver, to transform. So the tragedy would have been if this woman got near Jesus and just said, Ah, oh, no, he doesn't have time for me or I don't believe he can really help. And if she just turned around and left and she would have suffered in silence with her, the rest of her days. I'm inviting you 
to do what she did. And that's to seek healing. The only place it can be found in the Lord Jesus. Father, thank you for Jesus. That he's got time for everybody. For influential Jairus, yes. But also for the forgotten woman with the silent issue that had been a, such an emotional and physical toll in her life. And Father, I pray for anybody that's here today that suffers in silence with some sin issues that nobody knows about and they would be ashamed to mention publicly that they can know that you can heal them, you can deliver them, you can restore them, you can make them all clean. Father, we look to Jesus. We look to Jesus, our healer, our Savior. And thank you that when people reach out to Jesus in humble faith, he stops everything to respond. Lead us in a way that's appropriate and honoring to such a Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.